This is a Soulfire production. Yo, what is up all you crazy motherfuckers? Welcome back to Connor Wanders. We're going to be doing some wandering today on some things about stuff and stuff that's happening in the world. I'm glad you're here. But first, before we even get started, I want to welcome all my new Patreoners to the crew. We got, who do we have here? Let's just list these motherfuckers out. This is Andrea Levoff, Joshua, Joshua Collier, Connor Gillan, Leslie Job, Andrew Loya, and Brian Benecki. My dudes, my ladies, thank you so much for contributing to the Patreon. If you're feeling like you want ad-free episodes of The Realness and Connor Wanders uh, delivered fast to you first. Well, you better get over to the Patreon. The link is in the show notes. It is $4.50 a month. There is only one tier, and we do one thing, and that's make content. And we do it for you, and we try and do it well. So check that out if you are interested, and make sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and share it with some friends if you're down with it. Holy shit, what a week in the world. Now, we had a plan. We had a plan to live stream the VP debates, but didn't happen, and I'm really sorry for that, but we will if there are more debates, which we'll get into later in the show. We'll get on into later in the show. If there are more debates, we will we will live stream those. We've got the software set up. We are ready to roll. We have the new studio. Things are going well over here. Things are going well, but uh, we did have a hiccup, and it wasn't able to happen, which is a bummer. But, man, the United States of America just continues to unravel. Things continue to fall apart. 6.6 Americans have already voted. Derek Chauvin, the murderer of George Floyd, has been released on bail, and apparently America's national parks are racist. But those aren't things we're talking about today. Those are just some things that came across my radar that I thought I would share with you, do some research if you would like to. We're going to cover a little bit about the VP debates, not much because who actually fucking cares. Um, Some future debate stuff, some big news with Governor Gretchen Whitmer out of Michigan. Spotify employees are having some issues with the Joe Rogan podcast, which is very, very interesting. And Facebook decided to ban all QAnon-related pages. And I'm going to have, have some thoughts to share about that, as well as some of uh, Matt Taibbi, so Matt Taibbi's thoughts, my favorite journalist, um, some good stuff there. And then we're just going to talk about government officials not taking responsibility for lack of support, you know, and something to think about because it's that time. So let's get into it. God damn, it's been a good time. You know, here's what I, I actually was listening to Tim Dillon the other day. One of my uh, one of my favorite podcasters, actually. Now, Tim Dillon, the comedian, um, unsuspecting gay man, very, very, very funny guy. And I was almost, I was tempted to encourage you to vote just now before we get into the state of things. But that's not my responsibility. As Tim Dillon was saying the same thing, it is not my responsibility to tell you to vote. If you do not want to vote, if you do not feel informed enough to vote, then maybe don't. Maybe don't. And if you are going to vote, if you're very gung-ho about your voting, do some goddamn research 
on what you want to vote for down ballot and what makes the most sense to you, where your voice can actually be heard. Local elections get overlooked constantly, constantly overlooked, but they're very important and they actually have more to do with your day-to-day life than the president of the United States, except for the fact that the president of the United States is on the news all the time and somebody's always pissed, whether it's MSNBC and CNN or Fox, someone's always pissed the president. Oh my God, it's exhausting and we're tired of it, but it's how it's going to be forever, forever. This is our lives, okay? This is the greatest country in the world. (laughs) Oh, fuck me. But uh, if you feel informed, if you're going to vote, inform yourself with the local elections. See what's going on. They send a little pamphlet out. I got my little booklet in the mail to give me some information. I can do a little Googleizing. See what's going on. Focus on that. The choice of Biden and Trump is relatively inconsequential unless you're just voting to not be annoyed as much. And it seems like that's where most people are headed unless you are a QAnon-type cat in which your voice will be less heard on Facebook thanks to the banning. But with all of that being said, I think it's time for the state of things. People say that heartbeat is a little creepy, and I don't disagree, but it's October. Maybe I'll change it. Maybe I'll change it, but it's October, so let's keep it spooky. You know what I'm saying? The VP debates happened this week, and um, it was an actual debate, which is different than the last debate, which was a complete shit show. The VP debates were, oh, they were unsurprising. You know, if you're on the right, you think that Kamala just um, dodged a bunch of questions and therefore Pence won. If you're on the left, you think that Pence dodged a bunch of questions, therefore Kamala won. Um, Here's what I want to say. Okay, there were some, I would say, with what the candidates are saying, I line up more with the Biden-Harris ticket um, because of my priorities and my values. Okay, I'm not saying I'm right. I'm not saying you're wrong if you disagree with me. Oh my God, isn't that a novel fucking concept? But the idea of declaring a winner of a debate, especially a VP debate, when you really know what you're going to get, okay? Pence is basically jumped in a fucking DeLorean, punched that bitch to 88, and just delivered himself to 2020 from the Reagan era, okay? It, it, Reagan was saying the same shit. He said, trickle-down economics, um, (laughs) lower taxes is more important than the environment. Like, he's that type of cat. And if you're that type of cat, more power to you. That's your thing. Okay, that's not my thing. But that may be your thing, and I respect that, kind of. So, the idea of declaring the winner of a debate is so silly. So silly. I watched Charlie Kirk, everyone's favorite douchebag, Talking about how Pence won. I'm like, of course he won. He agreed with you the entire time. He agreed with your ideology. And if you are a liberal, then Kamala Harris won because she agreed with you the whole time. This isn't like a fucking football game where you have like you're scoring points. Like objectively, this person got a thing right and this person got a thing wrong. This isn't a fucking spelling bee. That's not how you that's not how debates work. They're sharing ideas, right? It's like you 
you don't listen to all your podcasts for the week and be like, this one won. This is the winner of the podcast for the week. Like that doesn't make any sense. It's comical. So what we did see is that, uh, you know, Kamala Harris is exactly what Kamala Harris is. And she's kind of a chameleon. She likes power. She likes where she's headed. And she's very, very skilled oftentimes at not answering questions. She's a diverting chameleon. It's very impressive to me. It's very impressive. Uh, Pence is less sneaky about his avoidance of questions in my opinion, but they're both very uh, political politicians and they do a great job at saying what they want to say and avoiding what could bring shame <laughs> upon, upon their political affiliation. So all in all, there were some decent points made by both sides. I just, I just struggle when it comes to listening to someone like Pence who has this kind of old school conservative ideology. I have to respect the fact that he's kind of stuck to his guns forever. He's an unchanging uh, politician as far as that goes. Like, that's cool. You've stuck to ideas for a long time and you're committed to those ideas. I don't like those ideas. I also don't like that Kamala Harris will just shape shift into whatever is necessary for her to win. Like that doesn't really excite me either. But the ideas that she's shape shifting to are much closer to what I feel like is appropriate and ideal than what Pence has stuck to for the past 50 fucking years. I just I get frustrated whenever we have this conversation as if the, the economy and the environment are are at odds with one another. I just I just can't get on board with that. It's it's weird for me when people say, you know, America and and libertarians will say this a lot like if you get rid of free markets in certain industries then you then you lose the ability to innovate. And it's like, well, if we're so fucking innovative, which we are, I get it, but if we are so fucking innovative, can't we innovate a way to, I don't know, in, innovate ourselves away from fossil fuels at the level that we use them at without a ton of friction. And it's hard to really innovate in a direction that is, is appropriate and maybe progressive. And I don't mean progressive politically, but progressive, progressive as in making progress when the industries that would be damaged by that progress have incredible influence within our government and within the states that are necessary to win elections. This is something that really stood out to me. I was look, reading a Vice article about uh, the Iron Belt, and I think buying iron domestically is probably better for the environment than buying iron that is mined and created um, in a very similar way to what we do here overseas and then having to ship it here. Like There's obvious um, petroleum use and things like that. Like There's obvious impacts from that type of global economy that are likely not good for the environment, right? But I look at this and, and these people that are, let's just say the coal industry and, you know, Stan Hurst, excuse me, uh, Randy Marsh from South Park said this great a couple seasons ago, truck driving and coal mining aren't jobs of the future. And I understand it. That's all you know, that it's got to be super hard to accept. Right. If I podcasted for 40 years and somebody, you know, and all of a sudden podcasting becomes irrelevant and I don't know how to how to how to function in a society where that is not uh, a foundation of media distribution, I would be devastated and it would be really hard for me to accept that. But in 20 years, 
people aren't really going to be driving trucks, it seems like. It seems like that stuff's going to be automated and much safer and much cleaner. So we attach ourselves to these ideas in these states that are crucial to win an election need to be pandered to. And then these, these massive ExxonMobil-sized companies have incredible influence within our government. So it's really hard. I wish there was more a clearer path to progress when it comes to especially the environment. Like the environment matters a ton to me. I spend a lot of time outside. I, I, I find refuge in national forests. Like that's, that's what I do. I love, I love elk hunting. I love fishing. I love getting out and trying new things. And a lot of that is exists because of the positive impacts of what's what government has created with national parks and BLM land and, and different things that have public access availability. Like that is huge to me. Also, the ocean is a really majestic place that's full of shit, thanks to us. And it's like, well, we're so fucking innovative. Why can't we do something about it? So when I see somebody like Mike Pence kind of create that argument versus like, well, climate change versus the economy, and it's like, I just don't, I don't think that that is that that cell is really being. I don't think it's really being sold to the American public in the same way that it was in the eighties. You know, because of what we've seen, what we've seen Tesla do. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, you can't land rockets. And Elon Musk is like, I think you probably can. And he did. And it's like, well, you know, electric cars, yada, yada, yada. It's like, well, here's one that's a luxury electric car. And it's going to make, you know, hella money. And now they have, you know, one of the most, I think the most valuable, as far as the stock market is concerned, automotive company in the the world. So um, it's just crazy. It's crazy, crazy stuff. But when even if you look at the top two, um, uh, <laughs> the top two valued, um, automotive companies, you have Toyota who really pioneered the hybrid vehicle with the Prius and did that at scale and Tesla who's doing electric cars. Like there's only one real direction. This is seems to be going and we're and, and it seems like a certain side politically is fighting that tooth and nail. So those kind of arguments just get lost on me. And if, if, if that if that impacts your life in a negative way, I can imagine how that would resonate with you. And I totally understand that. But to declare some kind of winner of a debate to me is is pandering borderline propaganda that is not necessarily helpful. So those are my thoughts on the VP debate and what I took away from it. But with that being said, let's move on to a little bit of news about future debates. That's the wrong button. Given Trump's COVID diagnosis, the, I don't know, whatever the fuck they call it, the Center for Debate Control um, has been, uh, had shifted the format for the second presidential debate to a virtual debate, like a Zoom debate. And President Trump, upon hearing that, was like, fuck you guys, absolutely not, I'm not doing that shit. And I honestly... And I don't love to do this. This is a hard thing for me to do, but I've been doing it every now and then because I got to, to stay unbiased here. I agree with him. A fucking Zoom. If I had to, I'm excited about live streaming the debates. That's a new thing we're doing. I'm super excited about it. I think it's a move in the right direction. I want to do this stuff in real time. I'm excited about it. I would fucking scratch my eyeballs out if I had to watch a Zoom debate between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Like I would lose my fucking mind. So I'm, I don't understand why they can't just push the fucking thing back a week. Like, let's just move it to somewhere else where he's not contagious. We have the science to figure this shit out. We can figure it out. Let's do it. But no, and I think it's this, 
Trump sometimes has a point when he's talking about the media protecting Joe Biden. Joe Biden had a decent performance in the first debate. And they're like, let's just leave it at that. His polls, you know, the poll numbers went up substantial. I think he's like a 14-point lead on the on the poll average right now, which is up from nine. I mean, that's a huge lead in the polls. Now, of course, Hillary Clinton was up, I think, three at this point. So it's a substantial difference. So I think it benefits the Biden administration or the Biden uh, campaign to not have these debates. And it's really it's weird. It's a weird situation because a Zoom debate is awful. The debate format of the last of the first presidential debate was a complete nightmare. Obviously, it was so shitty. It was fucked up. It was super fucked up. It was awful. But doing taking that to Zoom and then, of course, they want to be able to cut out Trump when he's making a fool of himself. And for, for some way, looking at that, you think, okay, that maybe makes sense because he he interrupted so many times. He was very disruptive. But to be honest, I think that hurt him. Like, Trump is an asshole. I'm an asshole, right? Like, there's certain types of people in this world who are assholes. I'm an asshole. Crowder's an asshole. Um, Kyle Kalinske's kind of an asshole. A lot of the people that love talking about politics love talking about politics because deep down you're kind of an asshole. Okay. You like telling people that they're wrong and you like arguing to have that type of mentality. You're an asshole. Okay. I accept that about myself. I'm sure that Trump accepts that about himself. I'm sure Steven Crowder accepts that about him himself. Like I'm sure my friend Sal DeStefano who I've had on the realness numerous times to talk politics knows that he's an asshole. Okay. But there's a way to go about being an asshole where it's ethical and productive. And Trump crushed that in 2016. In that first presidential debate, he just looked like a asshole. Full stop. And that hurt him. So when they start to try to change the format to be able to mute his mic, first off, you're still going to be able to hear him. Okay. It's not like that one mic is the distribution to everything. Like you'll be able to hear him on Biden's mic. That's not how mics work. Like if I had my other microphones turned on over here, you could still hear me on them, even though I'm talking into this microphone. So I was to mute this one and turn, and that one was on. I'd be able to hear myself just quieter. So it'll still be disruptive, but he, he hurt himself by being there. Okay. He hurt himself. So why try and change the format in a way that where you can mute the guy to hear what Joe Biden's saying when we know that Joe Biden doesn't say much of substance anyways? So if you watch Trump make an ass of himself for 90 minutes, that doesn't help his campaign. And he can't help himself but to do it. So just let him keep doing it. What the fuck are you doing? Why are you trying to change that format? And they're doing it to protect Joe Biden. I really feel that way. It's super frustrating. It's super frustrating to watch that happen. Keep the debates live. Keep them live. Now, I know Trump has been irresponsible when it comes to COVID. That is not a secret. It's fucking annoying and obnoxious. We all agree. Unless you're a right-wing, Charlie Kirk-following, like, ideologue, that thing, or some QAnon-worshipping weirdo, you understand he handled this thing like shit, Okay? And he's handling it like shit within the White House. The White House is a fucking COVID hotspot. All right? We get it. They don't shake hands. They don't get near each other. Put them on the stage. Let them do their thing. Let them do their thing. 
Now, the thing is, with the Biden campaign here, you got to keep in mind, you've got to keep in mind, Biden's, one of his biggest weaknesses is looking weak. So when you have a old man who just got COVID, who's ready to go on stage and calling you out for it every day on Twitter, calling you out, boom, 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 boom. And you're like, no, I'm not doing that. You look like a pussy. And people don't like that. People don't like that in a leader. Okay? You may seem cautious to some people. Like, yeah, I get it, I understand. But a lot of us don't. Like, dude, get on the fucking stage. It's part of your job. It's part of the gig. In the same way that people are like, well, Trump has denounced white supremacy whenever it came down to the first debate when the white supremacy thing came up and he was put on the spot and he completely shit the bed. People are like, well, he's done it before. And I'm like, part of being president is being asked the same question over and over again, especially when it's of public interest. So that's not an excuse. Okay, you're reaching there. That makes no sense. And part of being a presidential candidate is getting on the goddamn stage and doing the fucking debate in person, not on Zoom. Okay, I don't even like doing podcasts on Zoom, and they are far less consequential than the fucking presidential debates. Now, the first one is clearly the most viewed, most important, but they're all important. And when you're someone like me who's like, "Ah, I'm going to vote third party or for Joe Biden. I'm still undecided. I'm in the 5% of people in the world that are undecided on what the hell I'm going to do. Even though as each day goes by, I'm one step closer to voting for Biden and it's going to hurt my soul deeply, but that's where I'm at. And him not getting on the stage does not help his case. It makes him look weak. So I'm glad that Trump does not want to have virtual debates because I don't want to watch a virtual debate and neither do you. And is it maybe the most responsible thing? Yeah, maybe it is. But it doesn't serve the American people. And part of being a candidate for president is getting on the fucking stage. So Joe Biden, if you're listening to this or you're watching this, get on the fucking stage, dude. Get on the stage. Let's move on. Governor Gretchen Whitmer the governor of Michigan, and a low-key smoke show. You know it's true. You know it's true. Almost was kidnapped by a handful of guys, 13 men who were from two separate Michigan militia groups. Now, there was some um, social media observation of some plans to attack the Capitol building, to kidnap sitting governors, a.k.a tyrants and the FBI got in, you know, got involved, started checking it out, just investigating, seeing what's going on. And they, you know, had a few uh, informants, maybe an undercover FBI agent or two, get in the group, start doing some field training exercises with these guys where they were making improvised explosive devices and talking about, you know, kidnapping and murdering the governor of Michigan because of her tyrannical rule and her failure to be um, reined in, the lack of checks and balances, as they say. Now, I read through this whole affidavit, and I want to point out some things in here that I would say are pretty troubling. But let's look at the larger kind of um, scope. Let's zoom out of this a little bit. What the fuck is happening right now? What in the actual fuck is happening right now? You got a group of dudes planning to kidnap 
Gretchen Whitmer from her lake house, put her on a boat, blow up a bridge, use uh, commercial fireworks stuffed with extra black powder wrapped in pennies and electrical tape to create a shrapnel bomb to incapacitate police and planning to use Molotov cocktails to take out police vehicles. Now, of course, all of these guys, all of these guys have ties to QAnon, of course. Um, But if you're Trump, you would say, well, Antifa's worse. Um, Doesn't seem that way right now. And maybe Antifa's out there planning to kidnap some governors too. Who knows? Who knows? But they weren't caught. It was these right-wing extremists. It's very interesting. And and it seems like, let's let's read these guys' names real quick. Um, Adam Fox, Barry Croft, Ty Garvin, Caleb Franks, Daniel Harris, and Brandon Castera were arrested for conspiring to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Now, they they became aware of this in early 2020. So I'm thinking like when the lockdowns actually got started, two of the men, there's actually photos of them at the armed protest that happened in Lansing, Michigan at the Capitol building. So the people that were threatening to kind of like flirting with the idea of violent overthrow of the Michigan, Michigan government, two of those guys who were the um, very fine people, I think as Donald Trump said it, um, were planning to kidnap slash, I think they said Capper in the fucking dome in here at some point. Yeah. So really, really interesting stuff here. Really just riveting content. Um, this is fucking troubling. Like this is fucking troubling. And I just kind of flip flipping through the, the, the affidavit here. And there is some really fucked up shit in here. They wanted to try. They were going to have a trial, whatever that means for them, a trial of her for treason. They were going to try her for treason and they wanted to create an environment where they could operate solely off the bill of rights and the constitution, um, and be completely self-sustaining, which is absurd. Um, Fox, assuming he was the ringleader cause he was kind of involved. He seemed to be involved in a lot of this called her a tyrant bitch. Let's see what else is in here. Um, Oh man, they had created some IEDs, some improvised explosive devices, um, oh dude. And they had this private Facebook group, which they had this private Facebook group <laughs> where they were sharing coded information as if that wasn't going to be infiltrated. And one of the funny things is their informants were, were catching on to what was going on and were like, this is super fucked up. They went to the authorities. They went to the authorities, which I thought was really interesting. It's like your own people turned you in because your shit was so fucked. Wild stuff. Um, Jesus, man. All right. Fox stated, this is directly from the affidavit, and this was recorded on a, uh, I think on a wire on one of the informants. In all, in all honesty right now, I just want to make the world glow, dude. I'm not even fucking kidding. I just want to make it all glow, dude. I don't fucking care anymore. I'm just so sick of it. That's what it's going to take for us to take it back. We're just going to have to have every, we're just going to have, gee, this guy cannot talk. We're just going to have to, everything's going to have to be annihilated, man. Going to topple it all, dude. It's what freaking conquerors do. We're just going to conquer 
every fucking thing, man. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Make the world glow, bro. Make the world glow. Oh, man. Fox also said, we ain't going to let them burn our fucking state down. I don't give a fuck if there's only 20 or 30 of us. Dude, we'll go out there and use deadly force. Holy shit. Holy shit. They had a hand-drawn map. A hand-drawn map, like a fucking treasure map from the Goonies. Um, about <laughs> showing the the time, the response time from the the closest police office to her lake house. This shit is super, super weird. Fox also said she fucking goddamn loves the power she has right now. She has no checks and balances at all. She is has uncontrolled power right now, and all good things must come to an end. I can see several states taking their fucking tyrants. Everybody take their tyrants, dude. What is happening? One of the other members replied at a meeting. When the time comes, there will be no need to strike fear through presence. The fear will be manifested through bullets. Copy that, boys. Loud and clear. The fear will be manifested through bullets. Wow. (sighs) Interesting stuff. Now... You would think after that, I mean, she was obviously freaked out as she knew about this weeks ago, obviously didn't say anything, um, was under, I'm sure, heavy protection. And they made these arrests, 13 arrests uh, this week. So they let it kind of play out. I mean, this happened all throughout early 2020s when it got started through the summer, things intensified and the FBI was a part of this um, from the jump with their informants and undercover FBI agent or agents. They don't, they don't clarify that. But you would think that Donald Trump would say, holy fucking shit, I don't condone this. This is insane. This is not what this country is about. And of course, you may want to cite that violent overthrows of government just rarely end well. Because the people that take leadership after the violent overthrow are often worse than the people that are overthrown. The type of people that are motivated to do something like that aren't really the kind of people that you want you know, running your government. All right, so Trump takes to Twitter with this very heartfelt statement. Governor Whitmer of Michigan has done a terrible job. She locked down her state for everyone except her husband's boating activities. The federal government provided tremendous help to the great people of Michigan, which is all in caps for no reason, and my Justice Department and the federal law enforcement announced today that they had foiled a dangerous plot against the governor of Michigan. Rather than say thank you, thank you, she calls me a white supremacist. While Biden and Democrats refused to condemn Antifa, anarchists, looters, and mobs that burned down Democrat-run cities. I do not tolerate any extreme violence. Defending all Americans, even those who oppose and attack me, is what I will always do as your president. Governor, Whit- Governor Whitmer, open up your state, open up your schools, and open up your churches. I really think that... I, I just... I. What do you even say to that? Like there's maybe some backhanded like something in here, but it's you should thank Donald Trump, the same guy who tweeted liberate Michigan. What kind of you already know that you have a fuck ton of armed people of which you told to stand back and stand by just the other day. Okay? And this is your response to a militia group trying to kidnap slash put on trial slash murder for tyranny. One of the governor's 
of a state in this country. Republican, Democrat, whatever. This isn't the way to go about handling this. This is not even ethical. This is absurd. This woman has five children and is, I'm sure, was scared for her life, as was her family. Can you imagine you're a person doing your job and somebody's going, so you find out someone's planning to attack your house with improvised explosive devices full of shrapnel where your children sleep. And then the president of the United States comes out and says that. What in the actual fuck? What in the actual fuck? These are members of a, of a mar- armed far-right extremist group and you again compare them to Antifa. Now, none of us think what Antifa is doing is good. I mean, some people do, obviously, the people in it and those that support it. But that's not what this is about. You can condemn Antifa in a different tweet thread, motherfucker. Like, if this doesn't turn people away from Donald Trump who are rational human beings... I don't, I don't know what will. What does this say about our country? Really? What does this say about the country that, that, that we live in? What have we become? And one thing I do appreciate about Donald Trump is that he says the quiet thing out loud oftentimes and exposes things that we all kind of knew but were never said. But this? This? Whenever... He was diagnosed with COVID. Rachel Maddow from MSNBC at least played lip service to get well soon, thoughts and prayers, right? Whatever. And yeah, does she really give a fuck? No. Do I really give a fuck? No. But it's what you do, right? Like if your friend's mom, who is a total cunt, gets diagnosed with cancer, you don't go, oh, well, she shouldn't have been such a bitch. That's what this is. That's what this is. Think about that. It's not what you do. Say, I'm sorry, this should never have ever happened. But he just sneaks in, I do not tolerate any extreme violence. It's silly. It's silly. But this is where we're at. So I'm glad she's alive. I'm glad she made it. I'm glad Trump made it through COVID. So he could make an ass of himself some more. Uh, because it makes for good content. It makes for good content. But this is the world we live in. This is the country we live in. And this is what we have to deal with. So let's move on. So Joe Rogan is, I mean... He's, uh, there are some things circulating about how Spotify employees may not be too happy, uh, with his content and, um, really interesting stuff here. And I think you've probably seen this, you've probably heard about this by now, but I want to try and take a nuanced view of, of what's, what's happening here with Spotify and the CEO's reaction to what's happening. So just to give some backstory, Joe Rogan has, has been very vocal um, when it comes to trans women 
So women that have converted into women, previously men, trans women, competing in specifically fight sports. Um, and that makes sense to me, right? Because I know the power of testosterone and what it can do to bone density and hip width and how things that, um, you know, when it comes to beating the fucking shit out of somebody, uh, you know, maybe it's not a good idea for some person who used to be a man and is now a woman to step into the ring with someone who has always been a woman. And this really happened. There was one ex- one example of this where the where the woman had was 30 years old when she transitioned. So she had spent 30 years as a man with all the hormone benefits when it comes to sports that a man would have and uh, was beating the absolute dog shit out of women. It was it was insane. Um, and that's just not I don't think any of us I can't just be like, well, if I beat up my girlfriend and the cops come like, oh, I identify as a woman. I started identifying as a woman yesterday. So it's actually not what you think it is like. That doesn't make any sense. So really crazy in the way that this is all taking place. But also what I want to look at here, and this is a Vice article talking about how the CEO responded. And I'm just going to kind of sum this up. But one thing that Spotify does that I think is important and I wish and I hope are is the, is the case at other uh, tech companies especially, is they create an open forum for dialogue. Now, some people had had some issues with trans comments when it comes to um, children transitioning early. Um, so 8, 9, 10, 11, 12-year-olds uh, transitioning, which I am, to be honest with you, if I had a kid who was who believed they were trans at 8, 9, whatever, I would tell them to wait till they were about 20 to transition because you may just turn 18 and realize, hey, you know what? I'm just gay. Like, I'm gay. That's actually what I want to do because you don't fucking know. Okay, if you're nine years old, you probably just quit believing in Santa like just a couple years ago, and you want to be an astronaut when you grow up. Like, there's just, you don't, we're little malleable little creatures. You know what I'm saying? So there were some people at Spotify who took issue with that, and the CEO said, basically, if we can't keep these conversations amongst the employees of Spotify, amongst ourselves, and confidential, then we will take these conversations behind closed doors. But I do want to have respect for everyone's voice and have that be heard. Of course, that gets leaked to the news, that people are upset about Joe Rogan. That's a really big topic right now because he just got that massive deal with Spotify. And there is you know, a culture of hypersensitivity within the United States right now. Really interesting stuff, but... They've never reached out to Joe Rogan and said anything about it. They've never confronted them about it. They never changed anything. What I didn't like about what Spotify did is that they did not put the podcast with Alex Jones and other people deemed uh, far right, um, far right commentators on Spotify. I think the slippery slope that we're on now started. The first big move was whenever Alex Jones got deplatformed. Alex Jones says crazy shit. All the time. And with that Sandy Hook shooting stuff, like he he crossed the line big time. Big time. But that being said, that paved the way for the absolute dumpster fire that we have now when it comes to social media censorship. I'm pissed about it. My friends are pissed about it. Anybody who makes content for the most part that is relatively controversial and maybe points some things out that people don't really necessarily enjoy hearing or seeing sometimes. And that may be just confronting us with our own fuckery. 
we're all pretty upset about the way this is happening. I'm getting treated as though I put out dangerous content. I did not put out dangerous content. Like, come on. So this is, this becomes problematic. And when I look at this whole thing, this is something I had to speak up about. And I wanted to let it like, let it simmer for a second. And that's one thing I do. I think I cost myself some views and downloads because I let things simmer and just like, let me see what's going on with this. But if I try and take both sides of the argument, I think it's absolutely great that Spotify has an environment where they can have these kind of discussions and they can be relatively confidential. And even if they get leaked out, like there's nothing about that discussion that I found was problematic. I mean, people are offended. People get offended all the time. Uh, I offend people on a regular basis. It is what it is. That's okay. And sometimes just feeling heard is what people want, right? When you look at it through a human behavior lens, if you're in this big corporation and you're like, you know what, this is fucking bullshit. I hate Joe Rogan, yada, yada, yada. Okay, speak up. Say what you need to say. Does it change anything? The only thing that changes is that before you didn't feel heard, now you feel heard. But if you had some right-wing type cat in that same environment that's like, I don't like Cardi B's wet-ass pussy being played over and over again and the most popular song on Spotify. I want to censor that. That's not appropriate for young women. That person has to be given the same validity as somebody who doesn't like Joe Rogan. So let's be careful here, but it's, I think it is a value that they can speak their mind. Now, <laughs> to kind of piggyback off my point, here's what Joe Rogan had to say about the thing. I'm sure they've had issues with other episodes as well. But like I said before, like we're, I'm talking off the top of my head. And a lot of times I'm saying shit that I don't even mean because I'm saying it because this is a fucking podcast. And if you have a problem with people saying terrible shit and you work for Spotify, maybe you should listen to some of the lyrics. Right. Okay. Because some of the lyrics and some right. of the fucking music that you guys play over and over and over again makes my shit pale in comparison. Right. <laughs> pale. Right. If you're in listening to some rap music right, right now. Yeah. And, I'm not anti-rap. I love yeah. rap music. I'm, I'm fucking say it all. Do whatever. Yeah. You ever, go back and listen to NWA. Right. Go go back and listen to like some of the early shit. Right. Go like go back and listen to Ice T, Cop yeah. Killer, when the body count yeah. get, days. Right. Like, yes. Yeah, wild. Yeah. A lot of rap is not female forward. Woo! Listen, I'm a fan, man. <laughs> yeah. I fucking love rap music. I'm a I'm a big fan. Look, I met Willie D from the Ghetto Boys recently when I was yeah. when I did gigs in Houston. Yeah. I was like a little kid in a candy store. Right. I'm a huge Ghetto Boys fan. I yeah. love rap music, but. It's it's a standard. If we're gonna apply a standard, it it is yeah. a it's a type of art, and talking shit is also a type of art. Yes. you might not like that type of art because it seems too much like a real statement. Right. And sometimes it is a real statement. Right. And sometimes it's just talking shit. Yeah. But and just, the fun is in deciphering which is which. And right. I mean, half the fucking time you and I are talking. Yeah. If you took what we say out of quote, which is one of the things they did with the Bernie Sanders thing, they right. took things and put them in quotes, and some of them were so ridiculous. Yeah. But. That that is what people do when they're trying to discredit someone, and it's what they're doing is they're 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 not being honest. This is not it's not an honest take. It's not a it's not a a real honest take on who a human being is. It's a denial of nuance. It's a denial of all the complexities that make a human being. Yeah. It's like deciding, like you said this, and you said Megan McCain, you know, right. so, you know uh, fuck these tits. Right, you, she fucked you're her a dad. Bad person. I, I you're not, a bad person. I did not mean she had a baby with her right. dad. It's right. certainly possible, but I didn't mean it. <laughs> didn't mean but it. But that, this is, 
I get it. If you're a 23 year old woke kid, yeah, and you know you're working for this company, you think you're gonna put your foot down. Well, isn't it that just it. in the beginning of tech, everybody that got into tech, it was like yes. nerds. It was woke people, like people that are like, right. But here's yeah. listen, me on the outside reading these fucking articles, yeah, like oh my god, Spotify censoring Rogan. Spotify's doing this. It's not happening. Spotify has said. Nothing. <laughs> yeah, Listen nothing. to me. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. They haven't said anything to my manager. Right. They haven't said anything to me. They've right. said nothing. Right. So, yeah, that's where we're at. But the thing about it is nuance, too. There's so, we're all such interesting little creatures running around the world, doing our thing, doing it in our own way. Most people don't give a shit what you do. You want to be Z's or him, her, they, them. I mean, it, one of the things that's really interesting to me, and this is going to be unpopular and I'm fine with that, is like maybe people just don't give a fuck. People don't give a fuck about me. You know, I can't be like, well, people don't give a fuck about me. It's like, well, no, I mean, who cares? Like, it's just we're all fucking people. You know, people are assholes. People are self-righteous. People are narcissistic. People are codependent. People, it's like we're just we're, we're an amalgamation of, of, of life experience layered on top of whatever fucking DNA structure that we just fell out of a person with. And we're all complex beings and we like to say shit. I mean, that talking shit is a f art form. It takes years and years to develop. I'm not a master, but I am fucking close. Okay. Talking shit is an art form. And that's what we're here doing. We're having a good time. And every inch we give away to censorship based on emotional responses and people taking things personally that aren't about them. That's an inch of freedom. That's an inch of free space. That's, a, that's an inch of open dialogue that we give away. To what? What's the, is the benefit, is, is the juice worth the squeeze? Is the juice worth the squeeze? And I would say no. And many people that I am close to would say no. Personal responsibility is important, and I don't want to sound like a libertarian because I am not libertarian in that way, but personal responsibility and the ability to not take things personally is very important. And it's just better for your life. Life is just better. Read the four agreements. Life is just better when you don't take shit personally. I had a guy slide into my DMs telling me it'd be really fun to put a fucking bullet in my eye the other day. Didn't take it personally. Screenshotted it, put it on my stories. Laughed about it, moved on with my life. It's not personal. It's projection. Okay? That's what we all need to do. Everybody read the four agreements. That's your homework. Moving on. QAnon groups have been banned from Facebook. Any group that is affiliated with the QAnon movement <laughs> has been banned. And they've been working towards this for a while. I'm sure this is a really hard to do. This has got to be a mess. Got to be. A, I mean, as much content is on the Facebook platform, and that's Facebook and Instagram, as much content that is on there trying to sift out what is QAnon and what's not and what's saved the children and what's real child trafficking organizations that are you know being funded to actually stop child trafficking versus people that are just piggyback on child trafficking to try to further their movement and indoctrinate more people into a mythology that makes absolutely no fucking sense. Trying to figure that out has got to be hard. Like right now, I know me having this conversation and me saying QAnon numerous times within this segment, I am 
at risk of being um, demonetized, which doesn't really matter too much on YouTube, uh, of being suppressed, which happens often, um, of being taken down on Instagram. This IGTV that you're watching right now may be gone soon because I'm saying things that an AI filter is listening to and it is making the decision, this AI machine is making the decision on what is appropriate, what is not, and what is safe. So I can imagine there's a lot um, a lot going on in the Facebook world as far as trying to get these QAnon uh, groups and pages taken down. And the question here becomes, is this the right move? Is this the right move? Because I, I've talked about this before on the show. It seems like this just emboldens the Q movement. It seems like this just emboldens them. They think that they're onto something. It's like, yeah, because Zuckerberg is drinking children's blood. That's why we got taken off Facebook and not Instagram. It just emboldens them, and they move to 4chan or 8chan or wherever the fuck these people go to communicate. And probably a little bit harder to monitor there. A lot more anonymity, which there's already a lot of that on Facebook anyways. Uh, I mean, fake accounts and shit like that. But I also think there's a point to be made that with Russian interference, which absolutely happens in American elections, the Q movement is a great is a great how oh, I say organization for Russian bots to ride the coattails of and influence people in the ways that they've done before and will continue to do because we are a very vulnerable nation, a very vulnerable nation that is being more and more divided by the day. And the more divided we are, the more divisive we are, the more defensive we are, the more vulnerable we become to outside influence on our ideas. And, and my belief is that ideas are much more dangerous than people, right? Let's just think about Hitler, for example. Hitler as a person, dangerous, obviously, but his ideas have lived way longer than he did. So his ideas are actually more dangerous than the person. And these QAnon ideas, as we talked about when it came to kidnapping Gretchen Whitmer, are incredibly dangerous. So... I get where they're coming from, and I know this is a dumpster fire, and I would not want to be one of the people that's dealing with this at Facebook right now. But is this a step in the right direction? I don't know. I didn't like when they de when they deplatformed Alex Jones, and I I I like this. I like this more than I like that. <laughs> I dislike this more than I dislike that. I, or I don't know. I don't even know what I'm saying here. But I think that this is actually a, a better move than deplatforming than de Alex Jones. But I think that the consequences of this are emboldening this movement. Now, if I was to work at Facebook, I would say, well, if we take them off of Facebook and they move to whatever other platform, well, then it's not a Facebook problem anymore. It's that platform's problem. But if that platform has no vested interest in monitoring or sharing this information with people that need it needs to be shared with when it comes to dangerous and violent information. And Facebook is actually really good at that, especially when it comes to things like child pornography and pedophilia and things like that, like these really dangerous things that nobody, nobody wants to be out there. Facebook is the best 
at reporting that stuff. So let's give credit where credit is due. But when you move them onto a platform where that platform isn't as transparent, maybe isn't as efficient at reporting that information. Well, did you actually do any good or did you make it worse? That's the question. Now, Matt Taibbi, my favorite journalist, wrote an article about this, and I wanted to read something here that he wrote. I thought it was really powerful from this article. The biggest long-term danger in all of this has always centered on the unique situation of media distribution now being concentrated in the hands of such a relatively small number of companies. Instead of breaking up these oligopolies, <laughs> Instead of breaking up these oligopolies or finding some transparent way of dealing with speech issues, there exists now a temptation of government to leave the power of these opaque behemoth companies intact and appropriate their influence for their own sake. So this change whenever whenever these, these groups started creating real-world harm, Right when it when it became offline, when the groups went from online to offline, and shit actually started happening in the real world, it wasn't just talk and fodder on the internet. And of course, the authorities get involved in that, and they get access to this information, which we see in the case of Governor Whitmer's attempted kidnapping. Was really good. It was good that they had access to that. So it's nice to have an example of the benefits of that access, in one show. And also, I don't really necessarily trust the government when it says, well, there's a, there, there's the potential threat of uh, offline harm based on this. So we need to do something about it. Because, and I don't, it's not just my conspiracy brain rolling there, but if all you have to do is say, well, there's a threat of offline harm, real world harm, attached to this movement or this ideology, all you have to do is say that, and they're just going to say that when they need what they need to, to accomplish their ends. Let's not forget it wasn't long ago that everyone was convinced that there were weapons of mass destruction, mass destruction in the Middle East, and that started a war that was unnecessary, unjustified, and atrocious. It was lies. So we've been lied to about this before. And not to mention the Patriot Act, which was a facade for large-scale spying on innocent American people. So we continue down this road of naming legislation something that makes us feel good in order to blind ourselves to the fact that we're just giving away more privacy to the federal government. This is a slippery slope. And now they're in bed with these tech companies and they're doing the Earn It Act because they don't want tech companies to encrypt themselves end to end because they want access because they need access and they're doing it to stop child sex trafficking. That's what they say. But do we trust them? I will be the first to say that child sex trafficking and, and child pornography are a humongous issue on Facebook, online, anywhere. TikTok, Twitter, all of it. Okay? It's super fucked up. Sam Harris did a podcast about it. Go find it. It's a really dark podcast episode that gets into the facts of this. It is scary 
and it's just gut-wrenchingly sad. But so was 9-11. And looked how that was used against us. It's a hard pill to swallow that we don't get real information very often. And the facade of our best interest is used against us all the fucking time. I think that QAnon fucked up. I think that QAnon fucked up when they started doing the Save the Children thing and the Wayfair stuff. And what they did, what those fucking morons did by attaching themselves to child trafficking and human trafficking was they flooded, flooded legitimate organizations with fake bullshit. They damaged the organizations that are actually working to do something about these atrocities in our world. That is where they fucked up. And it's inexcusable. It's inexcusable that a bunch of fucking clowns who just want to suck off Donald Trump would do something to actively impair the organizations that are doing something to end human trafficking, child sex trafficking, child pornography. There are so many organizations out there doing great work to do this, to make, to, to make this world a better place. And QAnon has nothing but distract and minimize their cause. That's where they fucked up. Leave your bullshit to yourself, dude. This QAnon stuff has become problematic and it does deserve to get taken off of all platforms, but I don't know if it is the best solution. Fuck QAnon. Seriously. I'm not leaving any room to be misinterpreted there. They brought this on themselves, but there is no good solution. And it's really, really frustrating. For all of us out there who want to speak truth to power and want to speak up and actually fucking care about people, we have to deal with the consequences of a bunch of idiots on a daily basis. A bunch of fucking idiots on a daily fucking basis. I have my content treated like it is dangerous because everyone's on super high alert because of a bunch of fucking morons. I think that Donald Trump is saving the world from a deep, steep state, child-eating, Satanist cabal. Listen to the words that are coming out of my fucking mouth right now. A child-eating, deep state, Satanist cabal. And Donald Trump is the savior. The biggest mistake QAnon makes is thinking that Donald Trump gives a fuck about you. I think that Donald Trump gives less of a fuck about you than Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell give a fuck about you. And they give very, they, they give a quarter of a fuck about you. It's stupid. Grow the fuck up. I'm a free thinker. I do my own research. What? Then research human behavior science and research confirmation bias. And understand that's a driver of all human behavior. It's, just, it, it's not funny anymore. People's lives, people's businesses are getting damaged by your idiocracy. 
and I'm fucking tired of it. QAnon is a bigger problem than if there was a deep state Satanist cabal. You're causing more problems than those motherfuckers are. But there's not. Is there a deep state? Yes. Are there Satanists? Yes. Is there child sex trafficking? Yes. Are they all rolled together in a nice little package for you to rail against? And Donald Trump is your fucking Jesus? No. No, no, no. That is not the case. Grow the fuck up. Do some real research. Read a goddamn book. Get your head out of your ass. And fucking do something different with your fucking life. You're wasting space. Get the fuck out of here. You're ruining it for the rest of us. You know what QAnon is? Here's a, here's a great example. A great analogy of what QAnon is. You're playing basketball with your friends. A little half court. You know, doing the thing. And then some kid comes over and takes a giant shit in the middle of the fucking basketball court. That's QAnon. It's like, oh, thanks, man. We were all doing our thing here. But uh, I guess you need to, you, you felt the urge to take a shit. And they're like, oh, it's taking a shit because, uh, you know, uh, you, you have no idea the danger you were just in. People are watching you right now. What? Get the fuck out of here, dude. I'm so tired of these fucking assholes. Fuck off. Seriously. Jesus. And it puts us in a situation. You think you're helping QAnon? You think you're helping? You're increasing government surveillance on us. Shit, I think that the, the, it's more likely that there's a PSYOP by the CIA that created QAnon so you idiots would give these tech companies an excuse to mine more data, get more surveillance, and have more unchecked power, and you're too fucking stupid to understand that you're being manipulated to no end. To no end. It's like the idea that... God, this kills me. What government doesn't want more control of what you can see and more understanding of what you're doing on a day-to-day basis. What government doesn't want that? That's a government's wet dream. And you're giving them every excuse, every excuse. Take one more step, one more step past the Patriot Act, one more step, little by little. It's on you, QAnon, fucking morons. All right, with that being said, Got me fired up. I wasn't expecting to go there. Ooh. Ooh. Damn. That went a totally different direction than I expected. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Man, fucking QAnon. I swear to God. These fucking guys. All right. With that being said, it's time for me to give you a little something to think about as if I haven't already. Hey. All right, all right. Something to think about. You know, this came to my mind a while ago because Michelle Obama was interviewed and asked why she thought that Hillary Clinton lost the election in 2016. And it wasn't. Her reasoning wasn't because Hillary is an unlikable twat 
with a questionable record. It wasn't that she was a lizard person that feeds on the flesh of children. That was not the response. That might have made more sense than her response, though. Her response was that people didn't get out and vote. That people didn't get out and vote. That's why Hillary lost. Hmm. Hmm. Now, Michelle Obama is not necessarily a politician, but I think that sentiment is shared across the political landscape. And what I see there is a lack of ownership, a lack of responsibility, a lack of accountability on our elected officials to take responsibility for us losing faith, losing trust, losing excitement in what they're going to do and who they're working for. We've lost faith in our media outlets. That's why I exist. That's why I'm here. Because our media outlets are fucking trash. They thrive on divisiveness in the same way that our politicians do. It's all one big system. And they have the fucking balls to blame the voters when things don't go their way. That is some high-level bypassing. So think about that. Think about that. You're going to blame the voters for not turning out for your shit candidate? I had plenty of time in 2016 to go vote. Plenty of time. I didn't. Because there wasn't an option for me. My option got fucked out of the candidacy, actually. And you expect me to fall in line and vote for your candidate to vote against? Vote for the lesser evil, as they say? I'm sick of voting for the lesser evil. I'm sick of dealing with people in politics who were friends with Ronald Reagan. Can you just go away? Do you think that you're entitled to a lifetime of public service? Really? Really? Huh. Entitlement's definitely, definitely a problem in Washington, D.C. And you're going to blame the voters. It seems like if you were to try to explain narcissism to someone who didn't know what narcissism was, you would have them watch the actions of both political parties over time. And they would have a very, very solid understanding of what narcissism is and what entitlement is. And if you look the other way at the population of this country, you would have a really clear understanding of what it means to be disillusioned. Don't blame me for Donald Trump. I would like to see a Democrat stand up and take responsibility. Take responsibility 
for where we are right now. This isn't a fluke. This isn't a one-off deal. If it wasn't him, it was going to be somebody else. But we've gotten exactly what we deserve. Have we not? If this doesn't make sense to you how we got here, you're not paying fucking attention. And it seems like everybody on the left side of the aisle is just not paying attention. You lost people. You turned your back on your supporters and your constituents. You made a mockery of rural people and middle class people. And you chose instead to favor corporations, intellectuals, and the coasts. Mm -hmm. And here we are. That's Clinton era shit. The origin of neoliberalism. Or as I would call it, <laughs> conservatism light. Whenever all you have to differentiate the parties is surface level identity politics bullshit. There's no other way for the populace to go than in opposite directions. Because you're running campaigns on emotion and not policy. I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed of our politicians. I'm ashamed of myself for not speaking up sooner. And I'm embarrassed. And I say that a lot. And I mean it. Left, right. It's sad. And it's embarrassing. It's almost like politicians are victim blaming. <laughs> like you didn't care enough. It's like, well, you didn't give me a solution. You gave me a way to make the problem the same or maybe worse. And you're surprised when people run to the orange man. And then your narrative for the next four years is orange man bad. Orange man bad. Deflection, deflection, deflection. Never, ever taking accountability. And here we are. It's a wild world we live in. But something to think about. Oh, man. Good to get this thing wrapped up. Make sure if you're digging this to go over to Patreon. Support the show. Support me. And uh, get some ad-free content while you're at it on your own little feed. Oh, man. Good stuff. Good stuff. Got a little heavy. But I'm not sorry. I am not sorry at all. Make sure to leave in a review on Apple Podcasts and share this podcast if you love it. Let's grow this motherfucker. Find me on YouTube. All the links are in the show notes. Click it. Subscribe. Check it out. Get the full experience. And as always, keep your head on straight. We'll see you next time.